Hey there, this is Pastor John Ware, lead pastor of Lifehouse Newport News, a church that exists to help all people experience life change through Christ. Thank you for joining us today on our podcast. We hope it inspires you and gives you perspective to see how God is moving in your life. Now let's get to today's episode. to get the most out of this sermon series, all right? Four different ways to get the most out of this sermon series. First off, come every single week. It is, it is the whole month of February, and here's the thing. I can't preach for three hours as much as I know you would love, love, love me to. I, I can't do three-hour sermons, so we have to break these down into 45-minute weekly chunks, and, and, and they're... Um, and, and they're going to work to, together. So look, cancel your vacations, cancel whatever you have going on, and, and get your face in the place each Sunday at 9 or 10.30. Secondly, here's the second thing. Consider, but don't dismiss your current relational context. All right, some of you here are like, well, what do I need to hear about love and relationships? I'm divorced. I don't like men. I, like, I don't like no one. Why do I need to know about this? Right, some of y'all are like, I'm single and I'm not ready to mingle. I'm single and satisfied. What do I need to know? Some of y'all are like, I can't stand my wife. Like, you know, it's just like there. I know in this place there are so many different relational contexts going 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 on. My prayer is that somehow something that that I say will pertain to what your current situation is. Okay, but at the same time, don't shun the fact that God might speak speak something. To, to you and then speak something through you, right? Where, here's the thing, right? God might have you here today to hear something for your coworker. What, we can't just come to Sunday's services and say, all right, God, just feed me and get me happy. Maybe God wants to actually speak something to you today that God will, will speak through you tomorrow. Or God will speak through you on Tuesday, or possibly something today, you'll be like, okay, you need to go and check out this, this crazy stuttering, stuttering preacher guy at Lifehouse. He's got something for you, right? So, so look, consider your current context, but also, too, don't, don't dismiss what God wants to speak to you and could possibly speak through you. Third, thirdly, focus on you. Don't be looking over, over at your spouse. Don't be looking at your because I know how it is, and I've seen couples do this. I'll, I will say something, and they give the little, like, that's for you. Sorry, excuse me. You know, it's like, it's so easy to get focused on somebody else. But look, let's say, how does this apply to you, not your spouse? Okay? Four, apply it. Like, here's the thing, y'all. I think in this country, we have a problem with hearing but not doing we have so much knowledge, but we don't actually do it. I want to challenge you. Actually try to put into practice what you hear. Don't just be a hearer, but be a doer. Also, too, right, here's the thing, right, relationships are layered. Like, I feel like every time I preach on, you know, every time I preach on relationships, people are like, yeah, but. Yeah, but. And they, thro- and, and they throw out some, some personal situation that they are walking through that is that that is that that is definitely valid and and so look if you have a question this is what I'm like I can't believe I'm doing this if you have a question as I'm preaching today 
I will do my darndest to respond back to, to you. And because, look, this is what, what, what I do know. I'm going to say something today, and you're going to respond, yeah, but you don't know my situation. Yeah, but you don't know what I'm in. Yeah, but you don't know my husband. Yeah, but you don't know my wife. Yeah, but you don't know my friend, right? And, and so, look, if, if, if you have a contextual question, I'm going to invite you to text me at 757-267-4660. And like I said, I will do my darndest to get back with you within this, this week at the latest the next couple weeks. Is everyone good? Is everyone feeling all right? Is everybody uneasy? Okay, all right, we're going to dive in. All right, look, here's the, here's the thing. It, it might seem that we aren't taking the devil seriously. You might see these videos, you've seen advertisements that we've been, you know, that we have been putting out for this. And you might possibly think, we think the devil is a joke. But let me be front, straight out and clear. We don't believe the devil is a joke. We believe spiritual warfare, good, evil, are legitimate realities that are playing a part in the current relational, marital hell we find ourselves in in this culture. We are not making light of the influence the devil has had and is having in causing hell in this country in regards to love and relationships. Because honestly, what you actually see here is Adam, or here's the thing, Satan didn't even show up in the Bible until there was relationship. Genesis 1, Genesis 2, God creates the world. 2, he creates Adam, Eve. They get, they get married, and then in chapter 3, Satan appears. Because Satan hates unity. Satan knows the power of unity. Satan wants to do nothing more than steal from you, kill you, and destroy you and the person that you are in relationship with. So we don't take him lightly. We take him very seriously. So seriously, in, in fact, Scripture tells us this. Don't be ignorant of the devil's schemes. The, we got to know we've got an enemy. Ephesians 6, put on the whole armor of God so we can stand against the schemes of the devil. 1 Peter 5.8 says that the devil prowls around like a roaring lion seeking somebody to devour. And the thing is, it's so crazy because Satan isn't stupid. And sa the same thing Satan did back in Genesis 3 is the exact same way that Satan is trying to work now. Because he knows people. And people are people. People in the Bible are no different than people now. There's just a little bit of contextual change. But what did what did Satan do to get Eve and Adam to go against what God's best was? What he essentially told them was the same thing Satan said in this video. Do you, boo-boo? <laughs> do you? If it feels good to you, do it. If, if it seems good to you, do it. You know, <laughs> do it. And... You just think the same thing in Genesis 3. Whenever Adam and Eve, they were enjoying complete freedom before God. They had intimacy with God, intimacy with each other. So much so, it says that they were naked and without shame. There was no shame or guilt or kind of like awkward. It was, it was this pure, and Satan saw that, and he wanted nothing more than to take apart. And what did he tell them? Did God really say that? Man, God's holding something back from you. Do you think God would actually say you can't do what you want to do? Who is God? He created you. In the, like, you are God. Do what you want to do. And they, and they believed him. 
and did that, and now we see the consequences of what happens when we have a order that isn't in alignment with God's original order and God's original plan. We see the consequences and we feel the consequences. To be honest with you, one of the, the biggest requests I get as a pastor in these past two and a half years that this church has gone on has been for relationships, marriages, relationships, marital issues, relational troubles. And the second request deals with friendships and beyond. So honestly, I think this sermon series really is hitting a felt need in your life. Where I'm sure if, whether it's at work, marriage, relationships, whatever, you need to know today that God wants to speak to you through this series. But let me tell you the first truth that the devil doesn't want you to know today. And that is, is this, that love and relationships aren't about you. He wants you to make you, he wants to, to let you think it's all about you. And do you boo-boo. But honestly, when you dive in and study, you see the original purpose of what God created, of what God set up, that, that relationships love, they are not ultimately about you. And if you want to know the true purpose of relationships, like I said, we got to go back and see Genesis 1 and Genesis 2, the first book. Now, here's people have taken the book of Genesis and completely hijacked it to be something that it was never meant to be. People think, well, was the earth 6,000 years old? Was the earth 6 billion years old? And they've taken Genesis and missed the whole point. It was not a science book. Genesis was never created to be like, okay, in 3,500 years, we're gonna, it's, you know, Ken Ham is going to use it to debate the earth being 6,000 years old. The point of it was to, was to put out there, there is a God. In the beginning, that God wasn't created. God has always been. And there is a designer behind the design. That when you have a watch, it's absolutely insane to think this watch came here because the parts for the watch were just there. And then over a span of whatever many years, it just all of a sudden morphed into a watch. No, there is a designer behind the design. And the designer has a certain design and a certain order of how things were supposed to be before sin, before selfishness entered the world. I don't got time to, to dive into all of, to all of what the, these are, but I simply want to summarize for, I wanted to summarize the first two chapters of Genesis for you quickly. First off, God, in the beginning, God. Secondly, God created the world and called it good. Thirdly, God created man in his own image and likeness. He didn't create them as God, he created them like God, and there's a big difference. He created him in his own image image and then after he created him he gave him a job he said rule and steward over the earth that that the earth isn't supposed to rule over you you're supposed to actually rule over it how much do we see this now miss or what's the word flip-flop thank you I, I this is gonna be a long sermon guys when I can when I'm when 10 minutes in I'm reaching for stuff this is going to be interesting. <laughs> Coffee hadn't kicked in yet. But, but, but look, flip, flip-flop. We're now earth, earth and creation rules over people. Drugs. Food. Sex. All of these things now people are slaves to, to the very things they were supposed to have dominion over. 
So he gave him a job, and then he was doing his thing, working a job, and then God said, yo, this is pathetic. This dude's working a job, and he ain't got no one to work with. So then he created woman, and he, and he said, the women will have equal worth, equal value. They are not less than. They are just different. Different isn't bad, but just different, and they will have different roles and different responsibilities, but they are equal in value, equal in worth, both made in the image of God. Then God joined the man and woman together for what? Marriage. He was the first pastor presiding over the first marriage. Bone of my bone, flesh of my flesh. And they were naked and felt no shame. That's the end of chapter 2. Chapter 3 comes and then it's Satan coming in and being like, how can I break this jack, this mess, this, this, how can I break this unity up? And then what you find, he breaks, he breaks it up and from there, sin comes in and all chaos breaks loose where you've got chapter 4. The very next chapter, Cain kills Abel. Then there's murder. Then there's slavery. Then you see the consequences of when sin comes in, comes in and breaks up relationships. Because sin always separates. It separates you here and it separates you here. It always separates you. And things got so bad by chapter 6, God's like, i got to destroy this whole thing. <laughs> These people are so crazy. These people are just, I mean, he's like, i got to like redo this because people have gotten so bad. This is the thing, what you see, God, creation, man, job, woman, marriage, devil, sin, chaos. That's what we see. The reason why I think the Christian faith is so true is it because it gives the truest definition and, di and diagnosis of this world. That we have a reason for why the world is the way it is. We can look back and we'd be like, this isn't just the story in Genesis. This is the story of us. This is the story of us. That we find ourselves in this position because of sin. And, and here's the thing, right? You can, you can label a lot of relational issues, right? Bad, bad money management. Conflict resolution needs to get better. Selfishness, abuse, like all, so, you know, all of these things. But ultimately, the, the, the one word header over all of that is sin. It's you wanting your way over someone's best or over, some, or, or over God's way. It's you wanting to do you, boo-boo. And the thing is, sin, what, what sin left ultimately was a void. A, a God-sized void. A God-sized, that we were meant for relationship with God. And when sin happened, and we are all a byproduct of that, and just you don't think so, just, just look at your kids. If you want evidence, if you want proof that people are born into sin, I've got three reasons why. And their names are Jackson, Judah, and Dallas. Where what they do is they are all about themselves. It's hilarious. I heard Jackson yesterday over telling his brother, hey, hey, hey Judah, I went to the basketball game. And do you know what? And, and you know, do you know what? Mr. John was there. And Mr. John was there. And Mr. John, we were hanging out with him. And then we got to go. I mean, he was, just, he was trying to tick him off. And Judah goes, stop telling me that. I'm getting angry. <laughs> and this is a nine-year-old talking to a six-year-old. I'm like, where do they get that from? I, 
It's just in them. But sin ultimately leaves a void that then we, the byproduct of that is we try to fill that void, that God-sized void that we all have. And that is where, honestly, I think we find ourselves in this current relational context in this country. We have people trying to fill a God-sized void with un-eternal and temporary means and resources. And we wonder why we feel so empty. We wonder why we feel so broken. It's because we have a God-sized hole that we are trying to fill in our life with temporary means that were never, ever meant to satisfy us ultimately. Think about how our culture is curating us. And what, what I want you to do is to literally think about our current culture. Where culture is curating you to view people as products to consume instead of people to be served and loved. Think about it. We think people through this whole lens of how does this person benefit me? What does this person do for me? How does this person add to my life? Let's just, let's just kind of switch gears here. Let's go into this whole dating app thing, which I, I'm not bashing dating apps. I'm not bashing them at all because I've got some good, good friends that they found love on them. And I praise God for that. So I am, I am not bashing them, but, but I am saying, let's think about the way these particular tools we have are shaping the way we view people, love, and relationships. You literally shop for people like you're on Amazon. Stop, not cute enough. Up, up, smoker. Up, yeah, nope, bald. Uh, Five eight, no, nope, gotta be six foot. <laughs> Occupation, carpenter. Yeah, he's probably got ugly. He's probably got ugly hands. You know, it's like, like we shop. We we literally go through people and shop like like their products. What are these people gonna offer for me? So we we we've taken people that are full, full of humanity, emotions, experiences. And we've literally defined them as a product that is saying, like you're in a grocery store, how is this gonna, product going to benefit me? Think about the science behind pornography. Let's just get real, okay? Can we just get real here for just a sec? Got real quiet in here. Everyone's laughing. No one's laughing now. But let's just think about the science behind pornography and and. Where you go to a, to, to a site and you try to find whatever type of flavor you want. And you sift through thousands and thousands of videos trying to find the flavor that, that fits you. And you're taking these people that are here on this screen, giving you pleasure. That the, the, here's the thing, you totally forget the fact of... This is someone's daughter. What if that was your daughter? That that is someone's mother. That what circumstances led her to this point where she is having to do this to make ends meet? This guy, the, I mean, pff, whatever you, like what led to these circumstances to get to this point where you are now consuming you are, you are, you are, you are, you're basically taking these people and simply 
objectifying them for your own pleasure. And what it does, it's training your brain, and you might not think it, to just view people as objects of your pleasure and to please you. It's not just, oh, like one of the things I can't stand is when it's like, uh, you know, food, food porn. You know, you know, here's the thing, you've got these whole like sites, food porn. Poem porn, you know, it's, it's why, because here's the thing, it implies that porn is good. When porn is rewiring your brain, it's not just an, it's, it's literally rewiring your, your brain to literally be all about you. And then you take that into a relationship. And then you wonder why you are taking your, your spouse and trying to make them be what you just saw. How, how can you be, how can you give life-giving, Christ-sacrificing love when your brain can be, your brain is being drenched and baked in this, it's all about you. Culture is curating you to shop for the best deal. Think about it. A lot of dating right now is how can I find the best deal? Some guys are like, how can I find a woman that's got a good job? I can just move into her house. I can just stay there, won't have to work. I can try to find a job. She's got it going on. Maybe she'll even make some food for me every now and then. <laughs> or, you know, or here's the thing, that can, go the, that can go the total opposite way. But you've got people saying, how can I find the best deal that fits me? That fits me, <laughs> yeah. And, and really what you see this dating thing is just, it's just people trying to find the, the best deal. And the problem is with that, you develop a contract mindset where now you, you, you literally hand them a contract they don't even know they're getting. As long as you live up to these uh, seven things, I will stay with you. But a contract mindset is not a covenant mindset. And there's a big difference. Where God, 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 God said this, marriage is a covenant. Which is like, you are saying, I'm going to love you not for what you do for me, but because of simply who you are. I'm choosing you. You don't have to just like live up to, to these seven things, and then, I'll, then I will accept you. No, it's you are choosing in the same way that God chose you when he... When do you think you were choosable? Do you think there were some better options out there for God? Yes, there definitely was. But he's got a covenant mindset and a covenant love for you. saying, I'm going to go to the cross and die in your place and for your sin because I love you and I choose you. And there's nothing you can do to make God love you less or make God love you more. He loves you for who you are. He chooses you. And he wants to be in relationship with you. And that is the kind of love that we are then called to model, Paul says, in Ephesians 5. Marriage is now two people saying, how can we sacrificially love each other like Christ with a covenant mindset instead of a contract mindset? Our culture is curating us. And it's so important that we have to understand the devil's schemes because he's slick. He's so slick in the same way he was in Genesis 3. It's distorting our view of love, people, and relationships. And I think without even knowing it, when we make relationships all about us, we're trying to take finite people 
and have them fill an infinite God-like hole in our hearts. And as a result, we end up demonizing people for not meeting our needs. When they were never actually meant to meet those kinds of needs for us. It was, a, it, w- it was a hole and void that only God was meant to fill. There's, there is this famous story in the Bible that I would say many of us know that honestly I think gives a great diagnosis of where many of us are and also to where our culture currently is and, and relationships in, in, in our current day. It's John chapter 4, verses 7 through 26. We're going to read 19 verses. This is, your, this is your Bible reading for this week. Simply, I don't like to, to, read, to read 19 verses, but at the same time, I think we need some context here. And plus two, our, after, um, and plus two after we actually read this, then we're going to actually go into and break it down some and say, how does, does this apply to where we're currently at? This is John chapter 4. Let me set up the context here. Jesus, he is going through Samaria. And if you don't know, and, and Jesus was a... Jew, Jews and Samaritans did not associate. It, it, it was so bad, the, the hostility was so bad between the Jews and Samaritans, the Jews would actually travel an extra 150 miles so they didn't have to go through Samaria because they hated these people so much. They, they actually called them dogs. Some people in their prayers, morning prayers, would actually pray, God, thank you that I am not a Samaritan. That's how much the hate was. So then you see Jesus goes through Samaria. Because that's what Jesus did. Jesus doesn't care where people are. If there are people hurting, he's going there. Right? So Jesus, he goes through Samaria and meets this woman at the well. And we're going to pick up here in verse number 7. It says, when a Samaritan woman came to draw water, Jesus said to her, will you give me a drink? His disciples had gone into the town to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, uh... You're a Jew, I'm a Samaritan. You, you know you shouldn't be doing this, right? Like, how can you ask me for a drink? For Jews do not associate with Samaritans. Jesus said, if you knew the gift of God and who it is that asked you for a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. Sir, the woman said, you have nothing to draw with and the well is deep. Where can you get to this living water? And then she, she takes it and turns it religious. Oh, are you greater than our father Jacob? who gave us the well and drank from it himself, as did also his sons and his livestock. Jesus said, everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again, but whoever drinks the water I give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will become in them a spring of water welling up to eternal life. The woman said to him, sir, give me this water so that I won't get thirsty and have to keep coming here to draw water. He told her, go call your husband and come back. She said, I ain't got no husband. She replied, Jesus said to her, you are right when you you say you ain't got no husband. The fact is, you have had five husbands, and the man you now have is not your husband. What you have said is just quite true. (laughs) Then she's like, oh, snap. Sir, sir, the woman said, I can see that you are a prophet. You just read my mail. Um, Our ancestors, then she tries to kind of be like, yo, but I go to church, right? The ancestors worshiped on this mountain, but you Jews claim that the place where we must worship is in Jerusalem. Woman, Jesus replied, believe me, a time is coming when you will worship the Father, neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. You Samaritans worship what you do not know. We worship what we 
do know for salvation is from the Jews. Yet a time is coming and has now come when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth, for they are the kind of worshipers the Father seeks. God is spirit, and his worshipers must worship in the spirit and truth. The woman said, I know that, that the Messiah called Christ is coming soon. When he comes, he will explain everything to us. Then Jesus declared, I, the one speaking to you, am he. Now let me break this down layman's terms, right? This woman come, comes up and she's drawing water. Jesus is there. He sparks up a conversation with her. And Jesus says, look, you think you have an empty bucket that needs water, but honestly, it is your soul that's empty. And, and you have been trying to have this thirst quenched in you by going from man to man to man to man to man. When really you don't have an empty bucket, you are the empty bucket. And Jesus said to her, you keep trying to fill yourself with this water that was never meant to fill or satisfy your needs. But then he said, let me tell you, you have met the one today that, that is here and actually is designed to fill that void that you have got in your soul. Because honestly, honestly, what we do is we have a void. Like all of us are just big empty buckets. That we, if we don't do it in God's way and in God's order, we will take finite people and try to have them fill our buckets. And really, the bad, they were never designed to fill your buckets. They were never designed to be, here's the thing, even good people are bad Jesuses. Even good people are bad Jesuses. Good people were never meant, and that's why it scares me whenever, oh man, this, man, I found my soulmate, I found the one. Wait, you know, think? Good people, but they were never meant to fulfill that deep eternal void in you that sin created. And when you try to take finite people and fill an eternal need, it will always leave you thirsting for more. And what you'll do is actually abuse people that you are actually meant to love and serve. I think if Jesus was like, if Jesus had all this stuff here and Jesus was going to do an object lesson, this is what I think Jesus would do. He would, he would say to a woman, this is you. You got all these voids. All up in your life. But honestly, sin has created just, just the byproduct of how the world is. Right? And look, you've been going from husband Well, don't need, well, you know what, I guess it was just a bad decision. You know, he just, he just wasn't good enough for me. He just didn't love me well enough. He just didn't, okay, well, you know what? Thank you, Tinder. I got a great new one. All right, here we go. This guy's it. He loves me. He's great. He's awesome. Oh, I dated him on potential. I should have dated him on patterns. And let me tell you that, fam. Date people based on patterns, not, not potential. Because a lot of people have a lot of potential, but honestly, the, 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 best, um, the, the, the best 
prophesier of what is going forward is what has been. So, so just know, don't just date, all right? Well, this, well you know what? That, that just what wasn't it. Okay, all right, here. Oh, I love this guy. We're on the honeymoon. This guy's amazing. I love him. It's awesome. And, oh, no, I've been here twice before. Not a third. Not a third. This guy's terrible. I, you're just not meeting my needs. Okay, well, maybe this guy will. Okay, awesome. Oh, it's great. It's awesome. Oh, oh, no. This is the fourth time. Okay. All right. Well, let me try this. this and, and, and he was saying, you've been going, and you've got these voids, and you've been trying to, to, to take temporary resources to fill an eternal void. But Jesus came up there, and he said, what you need is not a sixth husband. It's not a seventh husband. You need to become healthy. You need to get your life into my life and cover, cover my void. Because that's what Jesus does. That's what Jesus ultimately came to do, is to fill that eternal void in your soul that was there before sin came and get you in right relationship with him. And then he wants to make you healthy. We believe he wants to make you emotionally healthy. Where, here's the thing, you aren't a slave to your past. You aren't just dwelling on, on, on your past. You're, you're looking forward saying, I have become new. I need someone to help me out. Cindy, come up here. Pull your sleeves up. You might get wet a little bit. Are you cool with that? You're cool with that. Okay, good. You got a couple hundred people here, so you probably got to be. All right, all right, so I, I just kind of go, go here and just, and just hold the cup just like that, okay? Here's, a, here's the thing, right? Jesus, he wants to come in, get you healthy, and then he wants to be your source. He wants, he wants to be your source because honestly, his flow never runs dry. He, he has an eternal supply because you have an eternal need in your soul. And he is an eternal supply that he'll just keep on dumping. But then the, the, the awesome part is he'll keep on pouring. And then this, you'll actually overflow onto the people around you. Instead of being a taker, you become a giver. You become somebody. You're just, not, you're just not a life taker. You are now a life giver. And this is what ultimately God wants for you is to be a life giver as he pours into you. What he pours into you now flows through you to everybody around you. And now you simply live from the overflow that God is pouring into your life. God wants to make you whole, healthy, I'm sorry. He wants to make you whole, healthy, and then fill you and then flow out of you. And instead of taking finite people, you have him fill you, and then it frees you to love and serve people instead of using them for your own benefit. Because honestly, what I think, a lot of the craziness we see in our culture is this people saying, I got a void. Maybe for you it's not five husbands. Maybe it's five same relationships every year. You, you've got this one-year cycle. Honeymoon, disillusionment, breakup. Let's try it again. Honeymoon, illusionment, breakup. Maybe it's five, 25 years you've been hooked on pornography. Maybe it's, you've, you've got five different 
Who knows what you're trying to fill that void with? But what I want to challenge you with today is Jesus said, I came to fill that eternal void. And then as he fills that eternal void, you stop taking finite people that were never meant to do that. And you actually start not using them, but loving and serving them the same way Jesus loved and served you. Even good people are bad, are bad Jesus. The ultimate purpose of your life, and I think we forget this whenever we realize relationships aren't about, the, the biggest goal for your life isn't to achieve a certain bank account, isn't to achieve a certain, like the, one, the Christ-like Bible goal for your life is to become like Jesus. Literally. That's why it says all things can work to the good of those who love God. Where it doesn't matter what you've walked through, been, been, been through, if you submit it to God, he'll take it and make it to help you become more like Jesus. But here's the thing, if you view relationships through the lens of what can they do for me instead of how can this make me more like Jesus, you'll miss the whole point. And you will actually miss the, here's the thing, relationships aren't just supposed to make you happy, they are supposed to help make you holy. They are the breeding ground for where you are shaped and formed to become more like Christ. My wife is not in this service, so I can talk about her. I can't tell you of anything else that I've ever gone through. A, a covenant marriage relationship that, that has challenged me and confronted me with how selfish I am. And confronted me about my, how the culture has curated me to view people as objects of pleasure instead of people to be loved and served. Marriage for me, and I'm just speaking me here, is how it, it, it exposed me and it's continually exposing me about how selfish I really am. And here's the thing, relationships, friendships, marriages, they are the ground that you are confronted with how much of a void you have. And how much of a void Jesus needs to fill. Because what I have seen is marriage, marriage just... Marriage isn't just for happiness. Let's just get real. Marriage. Marriage. Because honestly, you go into marriage. Oh, it's going to make me happy. It's going to be good. Yeah, about nine months in. Right? No, I'm just kidding. No, here's the, here's the, here's the, here's the, here's the thing, right? And there's definitely some of you here, your marriage is great. And it has always been great. And we celebrate that with you. Like, like honestly. Like, y'all must be angels in the form of humans. But we celebrate with you, right? But honestly, relationships, that relationship is supposed to cultivate you and shape you and challenge you to be more like Christ, to make you more holy. I mean, I, mean, I, I, I just think of how many times in our relationship that it has literally felt like a part of me was dying as I loved her through something that annoyed the living Literally, it feels like there was a piece of me that was dying. I'm like, I can't, I want to say something, but I can't. <laughs> and it literally feels like you're dying because, but then here's the thing, you read 1 Corinthians 13. And you read what love is. Love is patient, can we, can we actually bring that up? Love is patient, love is kind. Does not envy, it does not boast starting in verse 4 it does 
It does not boast. It is not proud. It does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. Keeps no records of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always shows, always holds, always hopes. Always... Do you know how hard that is? When my wife, she knows I hate being late. And I know we got to be somewhere at 10 o'clock. And it's 9.45 and she's still in the shower. Here's, here's the thing. What, what I have found in that death, because in that part of me that... The, in that part of you that you feel like is dying, what actually happens? There's got to be death for there to be resurrection. As selfishness dies, selflessness resurrects. As anger dies, patience resurrects. When insensitivity dies, kindness resurrects. When comparison dies, contentment resurrects. When pride dies, selfless love resurrects. When lies die, the truth resurrects. When you, I believe that you have finally felt and experienced a little bit about what love is when it feels like there's a death happening inside of you. But know that in that death where you feel you, you want to get back at them. You, you, you want to lay the hammer down. You you want to say that unkind word that you know will cut to the root of her soul and, and get her thinking about the way she looks. You know what to say. You know, you know how to say it, and there's something inside of you. But as you allow that piece of you to die, keyboard has come up. I, I got to hurry. It's 10.15. We got to end this thing. As that part of you is dying, though, what I want you in courage with as you die to yourself as you die and you let Jesus be the one that fills that void in your soul as that death takes place as Jesus died a new life resurrected and as you allow those things inside of you to to die what you will actually see resurrect in you is first Corinthians is first Corinthians 13 kind of love first Corinthians 13 love It's so funny to me how people are shocked when there's conflict within marriage. Everyone thinks marriage is so great. You know who didn't think marriage was actually great? Paul. Y'all like, really? Yes. Read 1 Corinthians 7. You know what Paul's saying? He says this. He says, he's, he's like, look, if y'all burn it with passion, and let me tell you what that means scripturally. If y'all trying to, if y'all like got to have sex, get, get married. Make it right. Make it, make it. It's holy, but he's like, if you can control yourselves, just know if you get married, you're gonna be distracted. <laughs> and that's why it's so funny to me. The church, and and he's right. If you are single here, if you are widowed here, if you're divorced here, and you and the church has ever made you feel less than, I want to apologize. Because I think the church, by not any intention or purpose, has almost made single people feel secondary has almost made single people feel less than. When honestly what you see in scripture is they're actually considered more than. And, and, and really, 
and, and really, here's the thing. If you are single here, if you are divorced here, widowed here, whatever, you, if you find yourself in a season of singleness, I want to challenge you, don't waste your season. Don't feel like this season of singleness or possibly a lifetime of singleness is any less than in God's sight. It actually puts you in the position to be even more used in the potter's hand and for the kingdom purposes and for the glory of God. It is not in any way less than. Don't take so much time finding the right person. Take more time becoming the right person. Because then I'm telling you what you'll find is there's somebody else working on the same thing. And y'all y'all will just line up running. You'll, you'll be like, what's up, what's up, girl? How you doing? You going for the will of God too? Let's go. <laughs> right? But honestly, I believe today. I believe today, Romans 12, 1 and 2, worship team, y'all can come up. Romans 12, 1 and 2, man, this is what Paul, he encouraged people. He said, therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern. This world has a pattern, y'all. This world has a pattern. Hook up, shack up, break up, abuse people, have them try to fill an eternal need in your soul. Don't do that, he's he says, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. I believe today that some of you here, you've got some new revelation in your heart, mind, and spirit that you're going to operate differently now. Your marriage will never be the same. Your dating habits will never be the, the same. Where, honestly, today you are going to be experiencing a transforming, renewing of your mind. And that it will then go towards, it, it will go forth, and what you'll actually see is you'll see new habits, new health. You'll get yourself You'll get yourself healthy so now you are not a life taker. You are healthy and whole. And now you become a life giver as the life-giving God pours into you. It overflows out of you into those you love and care for the most. Let's stand up, church. Thank you again for joining us on the LifeHouse Newport News Podcast. If you're ever in the Hampton Roads area, we'd love for you to join us at one of our live worship experiences at 9 a.m. or 10.30 a.m. at the Regal Kiln Creek Movie Theaters. Until then, feel free to check us out at www.theaterchurchnn.com or on any social media platform. Thank you so much, and God bless.